thank you for that warm welcome. I, uh, Kara, Kara got, my wife got me a folder to bring my sermon in. She asked me if I wanted a folder to put my sermon in this morning. I said, yeah. She grabbed one out of our, our files, and it's labeled triumphal entry. I don't, <laughs> that's presumptuous, isn't it? That, that's very presumptuous. But it is very appropriate that I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart and from Kara's heart. You're, many of you know us and uh, have prayed for us. Some maybe have just heard our name and prayed for us. And we cannot tell you what that means. You know, there have been notes and cards and, and uh, food and drop-bys and uh, talking at a distance. And that, uh, those of us who've been through things like this know the importance of that. So thank you very much for me personally, but also for my wife, Kara, who has uh, done a wonderful job of taking care of me, and she's made significant sacrifices to be able to do that too. So I thank God for her and for your prayers for us. And uh, the prayers that Russell offered, and I know you've been praying for many people, uh, not just through pandemic, I know your prayer life for people that are hurting. I hear your prayers and thankful for that. The two of the last three songs that we sang there, the Here We Are But Straying Pilgrims and This World Is Not My Home, I'm Just a Passing Through, uh, remind us of the series that Monty started with us last week from the book of First Peter. And uh, I'd like for you to be turning in your Bibles or pulling it up on your app or however you watch the text. 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to be in verses 13 through 21 this morning. But to remind us of where Monty took us last week, as he looked in verses 1 through 9, he emphasized that we are aliens. This series is called Alien Living. And he talked about alien joy. He said a couple of things that, that I want us to remember at this point in time. He said, it's good to be an alien. That's the first thing. And the reason it's good is the second is there is an expressible and glorious joy in being an alien. This, this book says several times it calls us to be strangers or aliens or foreigners or sojourners using different words. The first verse, you're strangers in this world. And then verse 11, our, uh, 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 verse 17, our text today, live as strangers in this world with reverent fear. And then in chapter 2, verse 11, he will say, I urge you as aliens and foreigners to abstain from sinful desires that war against your souls. So this, this alien theme is very much appropriate that we emphasize. What I want us to see in verses 13 through 21 today is there is a what, there is a how, and there is a why. So be looking for those as we read through this text together, and hopefully if you don't have a text, you'll listen carefully to God's Word. I'm a true believer, and I know you are too, that when the Word of God is read, that is our Lord speaking, and He deserves our rapt attention, does He not? So beginning in verse 13, and that what, how, and why are not necessarily in order of the text, so we'll just see how it flows. Verse 13, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled 
set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. For he who called you is holy, so you be holy in all that you do. As it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the world began, or from the foundation of the world, but has been revealed in these last times for your sake. And so, through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and, belief and, and hope are in God. What a powerful passage. Let's look first of all at the what of alien living we want to talk about today. And it's really in verses 15 through 17, so that's where we're going to start. The what is first, and then we'll do the, the how in verses 13 and 14, and then we'll do the why. The what goes back to that word alien for just a minute. And then there's another word we want to put with it. The, the word alien or foreigner or sojourner, there are actually a couple of words used in the New Testament to talk about this concept of you don't belong. That's what it amounts to. You don't belong. One of the words is for the temporary person, the one who is just passing through. Maybe it would be like a tourist. Or maybe it would be like a, a migrant worker. Don't, don't live there. You're not a citizen of the country. And you're just there for perhaps a short time. That word is used in reference to us. But then there's another word that is more about the resident. The person who lives there. They're not a citizen. They're a foreigner. They're an alien. But they live there for an extended period of time. And, you know, I, I identify a little bit with that. Because when we lived in New Zealand as missionaries in the late 80s, we were the long-termers. We, we had a resident visa, and so we could live there as long as we wanted to. But we were not citizens. We were not Kiwi citizens. And then after we returned, we made trips back. And that was kind of that short-term alien status that we had. Sometimes we were doing tourist things. Most of the time, we were visiting friends. Or we were teaching in the school over there where we had been. But we were still short term. Whether we were short term or long term, we were not citizens. But the second word that I want to talk about here in reference to what is the word holy. You heard it four times. For he who called you is holy, you be holy. Be holy because I'm holy. When you think of the word holy... What comes to mind? I mean, that's, that's obviously a religious word that we use quite frequently in our songs, as we did today. In our conversations, we might think, oh, well, that means set apart. And yes, it does. But I want to select a different word here. I want to select the word different. The what of this text is you be different. You are not to be the same. The world would like to say be the same. But God's saying, you be different. 
What are you getting at? Well, let's look at what he said. The one who called you is holy. <clears throat> In other words, God is not holy. In what sense is he different? Well, this world has a beginning and an end. He has none. This world is full of decay. He is not. This world is visible. He's invisible. This world is material, and he's spirit. This world is tainted with sin, and he is pure. Very different, isn't he? Now, we're not exactly different like that to all degrees, but the parallel is there for us. The exhortation is, you need to understand that what I'm saying is, you are to be different from this world. As we understand that, and I felt it in New Zealand as much as I might have loved New Zealand, there was a little bit of difference, and I perceived it, and they let me know that they perceive it. You're not a citizen here. We love you, but you're not a citizen. Some of them might have liked for me to be a citizen. Some others might not have. <laughs> it just depended. But what he's saying here is, as an alien, as one who is different, there is a reasonable discomfort in living a place where you're not a citizen. And our living here sometimes might be very uncomfortable. There might be considerable discomfort living in a place which is ruled by those who are not necessarily godly and who are not necessarily applying Christian principles to rule us. Or even those around us who are not necessarily in a ruler position. They might be ungodly and they might not be ruling or they might not be acting toward us with Christian principles. In fact, they might be doing just the opposite. It's interesting here that, that Peter tells us to be holy because I am holy. Why does he need to do that? Because we need it. Because mankind, because Christians need it from time to time. Paul will tell Timothy, you remind the brethren of some things. That's what I'm doing this morning. You know this message. Once again, we come together to hear messages that we need to hear again because we're getting ready to re-engage a culture that says, be the same. And we're here to say, be different. And to hear God say, be different. So for him to tell us to be different, that means we needed to hear it. Because we are susceptible, we are vulnerable to hearing the voices all week long, perhaps, of be the same, be this way, be this way, be the same. We need to hear God saying, be different. Because there is a great difference between the world and us. This text, be holy that I am holy, which was coming from the Old Testament, comes from Leviticus Several times Moses will tell the Israelites, you need to be holy because God is holy. And he's telling the Israelites that because when you enter the land of Canaan, that promised land, there's still going to be nations living around you. Now they were supposed to eradicate those nations, but you know they didn't. And maybe foreseeing that, Moses is saying, you need to understand that they're going to tell you to be the same. I'm telling you be different. You are not to take on the idolatry and the immorality and, and all the ways in which they want you to be the same. You need to be ready for that. They needed to hear that. And Peter says, we do too. So the what is? Be different. Be different. But now let's come to the how. That's the main part of the text. Verse 13. 
says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. He's going to tell us you need to be different in mind and behavior. There's several things said about being different in mind. And here's the first one. The NIV said it this way. Uh, The message says it this way. Let's see if I can spot that. Had it right here a second ago. It says, roll up your sleeves, put your mind in gear. Put your mind in gear. Actually, literally, it reads, gird up the loins of your mind. And the imagery there is, is a Hebrew man who would be wearing a long flowing robe. And if he were in a hurry, if he had to run, if he had to move fairly quickly, he would tie that robe up around his waist with a belt. That's what it meant, to gird up the loins. But this time, he says, of your mind. In other words, Peter is saying, be different by being prepared. Being prepared. Get your mind in gear. We know the emphasis of the New Testament about our minds. Peter's not the only one who would say this, is he? Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, Philippians 2.5. Or Paul again in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. That's exactly what we're doing right now, isn't it? Part of what we do on Sundays, besides other things, is we hear the Word of God in Bible classes, and you're hearing it now, and you're tuning in. And what you do on a daily basis in your Bible reading and in your meditation, you are zeroing in on the truths of God's Word. You are getting yourself ready. And why I say truths of God's Word, because when you go out there, When you re-engage the world, all the voices, most of which, are lies. Satan is the father of lies, is he not? John chapter 8, verse 44. The NIV will say, well, that's his native language. He doesn't know how to speak anything that is truthful. He, He disguises truth a lot of times, and it looks right to us. And if we don't have a discerning mind, if we don't have the mind of the Word of God, we won't see the difference. We're vulnerable. To believe, well, yeah, that sounds right. That, that sounds reasonable. That sounds close, anyway, to what I think is true. Coming to the Word of God, like we're doing now, helps us create in our minds the difference between what God says is truth and what the lies and voices of this world say from Satan himself. But then there's a second part, still in verse 13. He says, be self-controlled. Your translation may say, be sober. And you're right. Even The imagery, not just in the English there, but also in the Greek is, don't let alcohol take you over. But Peter uses the word much broader than that. Could be alcohol, could be drugs, but I think more he's saying, the philosophies and the voices of the world that speak to you. You be sober about those things because those things can numb you to the truth. They can make you believe that they are truth. And again, you might go out there and say, well, that, that sounds okay. I, 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 I don't think I discern that we need to be discerning. We need to be different in mind by being vigilant. We need to see what's different about the world. We don't, have our, we need, we don't we need our minds numbed. We don't need our minds inebriated by all Satan's drunken ways. So that we're not full in gear and sharp and alert. 
But if we go out into the world without a prepared mind, without a sober mind, we're liable to fall. Thus the exhortation and the necessity of it. The world is trying to make us citizens of its country. As I said before, and Monty's reminded me of this, the world is saying, be the same. It's not that bad. Be the same. Peter's saying, you be different. You be prepared. You be vigilant in mind. But there's a third thing he says about the mind, still in verse 13. You say, are we ever going to get through this passage? We're in verse 13. We'll move along. He says, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Set your hope on the grace. That's an interesting use of the word grace. Connecting back to some series we've had about the grace of God. There is grace at the end of time when Jesus comes. It's another expression of the grace of God. He says, set yourself on the hope of that grace. In other words, you need to be ready. You need to be hopeful. Be different by being ready for the things that are above. When I think about the, the things above, I think about two passages. Paul will tell the Colossians in Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on, earth, on, on heavenly things, not on earthly things. I think there in that context, he once again is saying, think on things that are eternal in terms of principle. Not so much thinking about the beyond at this point, but think on the eternal principles that are true here and will be true beyond. But, but then Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18, to focus on the end. 2 Corinthians 4, 18, so, so we fix not our eyes on the seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You might say, Charles, you're getting older, and you've got this incurable disease. Of course you're thinking of the end all the time. Of course you're thinking of your reward all the time. I think I've always thought of it. I've loved the songs that we sing of heaven. And it's not escapism for any of us. Some of you are younger and you're thinking about living your whole life and it's still ahead of you. And, and you're thinking, well, I'll get to be 70 or 80 or 90. And then, and then, and then it's time to go to the reward. But, but this exhortation is for all Christians. Part of the mindness, part of the difference, part of the readiness is concentrate on the things that are eternal, yes, and true, yes, but the things that await us. Because that's what's truth. That's where we're meant to be. 2 Corinthians 5, 5, that's God's purpose for us there, not here. Songs of heaven. Again, it's not escapism. It's focusing on the true reality that waits us. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My daughter did something for me that I really appreciate, and it's made me thought of this, and I was just listening to this particular playlist that she put together from acapella or praise and harmony. And it was about songs, mostly, about our heavenly reward. Some, some ones that I've seen recently that I don't know. She put those on there. And then many that I do know and you would know. Perhaps that's part of what we do 
We listen to those songs frequently in your Christian repertoire of music. Include those songs so that you and I are being reminded in song of the truths of Scripture. Not escapism, but to keep our minds focused appropriately on being ready. But then there's one more. In verse 14, he says, as obedient children. That's still a mind thing. We were called children of disobedience in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. That description is, you didn't want to obey. You didn't want to do what God wanted you to do when you weren't a Christian. But now that we're Christians, we want to. And so be different by being willing to obey. How would you judge your attitude toward the obedience of Christ and God? Well, you know, I'm kind of looking for what I, want, what I can get out of. I'm kind of looking for the shortcut. I'm kind of looking for what he doesn't want me to do. I'm kind of looking for the easy road. But this description is a mindset of one who desires to know, God, what do you, what do you want me to do? He wants to please. She wants to please God by saying, am I, not, am I not catching on to what you want me to be and do? Please reveal that to me. And then I'll be, God, you speak and your servant will obey. Is that her attitude? Is that her mindset? Or is it looking for the shortcut? I think when we became Christians, I'm being facetious, of course, When we signed on to be Christians, we signed on to obey Him, to do His will. And the disobedient mindset is the one that's looking for the way out and doesn't want any control over his life from the deity above. How to be different. Peter has said, be different in mind in the previous ways. My family gets into the college football bowl season got the big one tomorrow night but it's been interesting to see some of the lesser bowls less important bowls we might call them and uh, we we do picks and we've watched these teams all season so we should know whether they're good or not and when they show up to bowl games they don't always play up to their potential do they and you think they don't want to be here maybe they think this bowl is beneath them Maybe the ones that opted out make them feel like we can't win this anyway. They they don't come with the right mindset. And they get beat most of the time. They can't endure a lesser talented team because they've, they've shown up to win. Is that not illustrative of what we are to be ready on each day to go out? We are to make a choice. We are to make a decision on a daily basis. We're not to blindly and flippantly and mind-numbingly go out into this world with all the voices and all its attempts to say, stay the same. We will not be different if we are not prepared in mind and in behavior. And that's the second part of what he's talking about here, the behavior. It's one phrase in verse 14. And do not conform to the evil desires you had When you lived in ignorance. What's he getting at here? We're supposed to be transformed. Romans 12. Not conformed. Those are diametrically opposed to each other. We're not supposed to be 
controlled by the lusts and the greeds and the anger and the pride that we had when we lived our selfish life. When we were the boss, when we were in charge, when we said, I'm going to do what I want to do. Because that's the American spirit anyway. That's this culture spirit anyway in most cultures. Don't conform to the way you used to live. Again, back to the passage that we referred to earlier in Leviticus where Moses said, be holy because I am holy. And boy, they weren't. I was reading about Manasseh, one of the kings of Judah. You'll remember, perhaps, he was the son of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, a great king. And along comes Manasseh, and he rules for 55 years. Pure evil. And here's what he did to dupe the Israelites into following his ways. He took all the idols, as it were, of all these surrounding nations that they had been warned about and put them in the house of God, the temple. And so the Israelites were duped into thinking, well, hey, one's as good as another. Once again, not that big a deal. Not that much difference between Chemosh and Jehovah, Milcom and Jehovah, Baal and Jehovah. You know, sacrifice here and one's a God. and it kind of, It's just kind of all the same. And they're all the same and they're all equal. They got duped. They missed the exhortation that Moses gave to them over and over and over. And so they believed it was okay to be the same rather than to be different. But why? Finally, why? Why should we be different? It's in verses 18 through 20. For, my translation says, it's actually a participle phrase introducing this. For you need to remember that you were not redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers by perishable things, such as silver or gold. There are just two things I want to point out about this. He will say, you must be different because of Calvary. And we've celebrated Calvary today in our Lord's Supper. We do every Sunday. That never grows old to me. I hope it doesn't grow old to you. Because that's a daily thing. That impacts me daily. And the songs that we sing remind us. And we have celebrated that in prayer today as well. But there are a couple of things about this that I hope maybe stick with you, not just Calvary, and we let that sort of glide off our backs. First of all, he says, Calvary and the blood of Jesus is an imperishable thing. Yes, the sacrifice happened here. Oh, the sacrifice happened before time began too. Revelation chapter 13, 8. A lamb slain from the foundation of the world, the writer says. In the mind of God, the cross, the blood, it had flowed before time began. It's eternal, but it's unblemished. And it's without defect. And it is imperishable because it doesn't belong to this world. Well, well give, me some, give me some comparison there, Peter. Yeah, okay. It's not like gold and silver. Those are the perishables. He's already said gold and silver are refined by fire, but they will perish. He's already said that in the previous section, and he says it again. If you don't get what I'm saying, Peter is saying, see, I would have expected him to say, 
It's not like perishable things such as wood, hay, or stubble. That's not what he says. That's the stuff that made up all those houses up in Denver and Boulder that were burned to a crisp recently. But he says gold and silver. He says those things are the perishables. You humans think, well, those are the things that last. Those are the things that don't perish. Refined by fire, but don't perish. No. The blood of Jesus is that which is imperishable. Gold and silver, which you think make up life, which you think give meaning to life, which maybe some of you think you can take with you, can't buy you heaven, can't buy you paradise, can't pay off your sins. It's imperishable, the blood of Jesus. But then he also says it's eternal. It happened before time began. He was chosen before the creation of the world. But was revealed in these last times for your sake. Verse 19. He was chosen. It all happened in the mind of God before time began. And oh, by the way, it will take us into eternity on the other side. In that sense, it's very, very different, is it not? It endures into eternity. The cross. May it never be anything but the ultimate motivation for us to be different. Peter, his exhortation once again is to be an alien, is to be different. Why? Because your citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, Philippians 3, verse 20. You don't belong here. You are to be different while the world keeps telling you to be the same. You are to be different in mind. Be prepared, be ready, be vigilant. You are to be different in behavior. Be not conformed. And why should you do that? Because of Calvary. And because of what awaits you. For those of us who are Christians, I hope the reminder is helpful to you. To get ready for engaging a week and a culture and a world that can be very deceiving. And make us very vulnerable to the temptations and the lies that Satan would foist upon us in our worlds. And while we think about that, while we sing this song, may the song encourage you who've not made that decision to no longer be selfish, to no longer conform to this world, but to be transformed and to have an eternal reward. Coming out of the baptistry clean by the blood of Jesus, let your faith, wherever it is, take that next step to become a Christian today. If that's what you need to do, we exhort you to do that while we stand and while we sing.